Welcome to the 144th episode of the Young Turks Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking all about the Terps' win over Northwestern and much more. And before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, in the non-river report today, we got a few sports. Um, women's basketball has kind of turned around after a choppy start to Big Ten play. The number 20 Lady Terps won big over Nebraska, 87-69 at home. That was on Thursday. Kayla Charles had another big night with a game-high 23 points. And then the big one was last night. The Terps took down number 16 Indiana at home, 76-62, led by Shakira Austin with 22. Good to see them uh, getting some wins strung together after a really uneven start to the season. Yep, still a lot of expectations to live up to on that front. But moving up the polls is what they're doing right now. Now onto some wrestling news. They got hammered against Michigan or both Michigan schools on the road this weekend. The Terps lost 34-3 at Michigan on Friday, and then 36 to nothing at Michigan State. The team is now 2-9, and and will attempt to get something going against Purdue Friday. Yeah, uh, Alex Clemson's really not off to a great start with the coaching career there, is he? No, no he's not. But they're trying to get together. Gymnastics, uh, ranked number 8 in the country, continued their strong start to the season with a 196.125 to 195.675 win over Iowa at home. This is their third straight mass match passing the score of 196. Uh, we don't really know what that means, Jordan, but it sounds like a big deal. Yeah, I keep hearing, seeing it hyped up on all Maryland's outlets, so uh, I'm sure someone out there is really excited about that. Um, good to see them winning, though. Terps, next face number 22, Ohio State on the road on Saturday. So, I mean... Again, it's just amazing to see this program so highly regarded after they were struggling for so long. Yeah, uh, the Terps have gotten it going, and it's gotten quite a few people excited around the area. Need to get some more uh, fans out at their games, get them the support they deserve. Three Terps were named to the preseason All-Big Ten lacrosse team. Attack Jared Bernhardt, midfielder and attackman Bubba Ferriman, and defenseman Brett uh, Makar. Uh, That's a little bit of a low number for the Terps, Jordan, only three. Yeah, um, but I guess it gives them all more to prove. I It is a bit weird, though, because I saw them, I think, inside the crosses as number four in the preseason poll, but inside the cross, this is what, that's what this is from. Also, we have three um, Terps on the All-Big Ten team, so maybe they expect them to be more than some of their parts. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, Coach Tillman's going to have them rolling, no doubt. Regardless of what they look at like the preseason, they're a team – uh, that always makes moves in the postseason. The number four quarterback of the 2021 class, Caleb Williams from Gonzaga High School in D.C., visited Maryland for the Purdue game. Williams is one of the most recruited players in the 2021 class. He already has taken unofficial visits to Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Oregon, Jordan. Yeah, those are some of the biggest names in college football right there. And um, from what I understand, it seems like Jalen Hurd is playing a role in his recruitment. Um, talking about blocks for his work at Alabama, but if they can land this kid, I mean, it'd be it'd be a bigger deal than Rakim Jarrett. 
Yeah, uh, this guy is definitely well, – he's up there. I mean, he's one of the most sought-after players in the class. He's kind of that second uh, – I would say Dwayne Haskins kind of uh, savior of Maryland he would be considered if he chose the Terps. Yeah, um, him or Kim Jarrett, I mean, the, you're starting to see that DMD to UMD in full force again. And, you know, I always hear great things about locks, and this would be his biggest coup yet, though. In some more Maryland football news, the Terps added George Hilo as the special teams and inside linebackers coach. Hilo has been the safeties coach at Colorado State the last two seasons. Uh, possibly a Ryan Davis connection here. Yeah, very well could be, but there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, so after playing at Ole Miss, where he played from 2006 to 2010, Hilo um, has coached with some of the best uh, programs in the country including Alabama, Florida State, and Georgia. And this was Florida State when they went to the national championship. So, that, like, when they were really good. Um, he definitely has a legacy of success wherever he's gone. And the Colorado State was a top-10 defense last season. So, I don't know, Mason. The Ryan Davis connection certainly seems to be there, but there's also a lot else going on here. Yeah, definitely could be a, a rising guy in, in the coaching field here. So, somebody that we have to look out for, you know. Uh, special teams was garbage last season, and we got to uh, take that next step there as this team tries to move forward. All right. Um, so now on to the first, I guess, real segment here. we got the Pro Terps wrap-up. Um, all Terps are now out of the NFL playoffs with Darnell Savage being last domino to fall. So a very interesting season for the Terps and the Pros, Mason. Yep, and this is the kind of wrap-up edition, so here we go. Yep, so this is no particular order. Uh, J.C. Jackson goes first here. He really had a tail of two seasons. Um, didn't get in the field much until week 11, and then started every game from weeks 12 to 17. Played significantly better after week 11. Uh, finished the season with five interceptions, 11 passes defended. He found a role in the Patriots defense for the season, and all he can do is hope that he maintains it. Yep, uh, he, he's off to the start that uh, a lot of people thought he could have in his career. Yannick Ngakwe won... Uh, can assume that Yannick wanted a better season than the one he had after holding out for a new contract over the summer. Uh, the pass rush tried his career low in sacks with eight, which is still a lot, and dropped from 33 QB hits uh, last season to only 15 this season. Still, uh, the D.C. native set new career highs in TFL and tackles, and Track has him valued at $17.1 million per season over five years. Yeah, so he's still in that top-tier pass rusher money. Uh, that would put him with about D Ford of the 49ers now in terms of contract value. I personally don't see him staying in Jacksonville. I do. I think it's a new day here in Jacksonville. I think they're going to do what they need to to keep their good players. Yannick is obviously one of them. Oh, well, he certainly has proven his value. Speaking of people that have proven their value, DJ Moore had a okay rookie season last year, um, but he's put together a fantastic second season as the team passed power out of control. DJ rose above it. Uh, he placed ninth in the league in receiving yards with, um, sorry, 1,175 this season, averaging 78 yards per game. going to be very interesting to see how the new Panthers offense looks with Joe Brady as the OC. Yeah, um, we saw this last year, how he can utilize good receivers, and hopefully we'll see on Carolina with DJ Moore. But really a new day for the Panthers that is uh, coming up. I agree with that. Uh, Darnell Savage also proved everyone wrong who thought it was a reach at 21. Uh, the safety was named to the all-rookie team this season. Constantly ranked among the top reasons for the Packers' defensive resurgence has been his contributions to the secondary. 
Packers defense was their strength this season, and Darnell Savage certainly seemed to play a role in that. Yeah, uh, Darnell with a great rookie season. A lot of people or some national people thought he was too early in the draft in the first round. Uh, I think not. I think that was proven that he, he was placed in the right uh, a spot in the draft, and Green Bay got a, themselves a player that they can have now and for the future. Yeah, pushing along to another NFC North team. Stefan Diggs set a new career high for receiving yards with 1,130 this season and averaged a career high yards per reception with 18 yards per catch. Our season was certainly highlighted by a stretch of five weeks where he earned about 600 yards, including four of those five over 100 yards, but 18 yards per catch. Holy crap. Yeah, he's a big-time player, big playmaker there. Um, you know, he, pre- he performed really well in the playoff game, probably the only Viking to get a uh, play over 20 yards in that one. He's just a, He makes plays. I mean, bottom line is that he argues with Kirk Cousins and he makes plays. That's Stefan's two things. Uh, Quentin Jefferson started 12 games this year, a career high in tackles for loss on the season for uh, Quentin Jefferson. Virtually identical season as his last one, up for a new contract after this season. Uh, I think he's going to stay around. Yeah, it seems to fit in the Seahawks' uh, new era. I expect, a, I guess, a moderate contract for him, probably in the $20 million range. That's a, um, that is a lot for a moderate contract. Well, not for a defensive lineman these days. These guys are getting paid like quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean they're they're really important players, and I think guys that give you good, good um, reps and and can give you you know some starts in there and and be in your rotation are worth a lot of money, especially guys that you like to keep around for, you know, as long as Jefferson's been around in Seattle. I think it's worth a lot. I think guys uh, like him are few and far between. I think he goes in there, does his job, plays his role. And does it well, and I think that's something that's undervalued in all of sports, honestly. Oh, that is a good take, I will say. Uh, Jermaine Carter, down Carolina, started five games this year, played in every game of the season. He recorded his first career sack and set a new career high in tackles, tackles for loss and QB hits. I believe uh, he also had a blocked punt. Yes, he did. You're right. I forgot about that. Um, kind of a weird season for Jermaine because he got into the uh, – starting rotation a couple games this season, but he kind of faded back out. Going to be really interesting to see if he gets a start next season with Luke Keekley uh, taking an early retirement. The path is open for Jermaine to maybe step up. Yeah, um, definitely. Jermaine is a chance for a big role next year, a chance maybe to start almost every game, and that those don't come very often. You don't get many chances at that, so he's got to take advantage of it. I would say a solid step forward for him. You know, A lot of special teams plays, made some big plays, uh, had a picture of him go viral, the the Deshaun Watson one. It's been a it's been a good year for Jermaine Carter, and next year is going to be that trying to take that second step, you know, that next step forward in, in his career. Ty Johnson, um, n- not the guy that took the chance that he had this year and did did very well with it. A rough year for Ty. Yeah, uh, Ty Johnson, only with 273 yards, 63 rushing attempts, going to start this year. Uh, 24 catches for 103 yards. Um, yeah, he really could have done more this season. Terion Johnson getting injured early opened a path for Ty to really seize the starting role. And just to be frank, he didn't do it. Yeah, did not get it done. Had that had that rare chance that a guy that was drafted as late as – or was he even drafted? Yeah, he was sixth round. Yeah, sixth round guy gets a chance in his first season to uh, slide into a starting role and doesn't get that uh, done. Had the door was as you already said wide open for Ty and 
and and unfortunately just didn't didn't get there and that's it's a little bit disappointing but we can see if he can go ahead and make the roster as a special teams guy you know he's a hard-working player we all know that and, and you know try and get at least a few years of NFL action but definitely not not what I thought I would have saw seen out of Ty Johnson if he got the chance to start in this league yeah, uh, next we got but, another running but back. But you have to you have to account one last thing that that team was an absolute train wreck this year. Oh, absolutely, it was a disaster. Um, arguably the biggest disaster in the league. That's the same from a Redskins fan. They had expectations over there. Yeah. Um, so another tr- running back is Trey Edmonds. Trey had a bit of an odd season. Got eleven games, twenty-two carries for ninety-two yards, but nearly every carry and every attempt he had was in one game where he had seventy-three yards against the Colts. But he played never. Sorry, he didn't play in every game. But he played every game after that. Yeah, another. Or go ahead. This is your guy, Mason. Yeah, just this is a guy that's going to be in the league for a long time. I think we all know that he played linebacker this year for the Steelers. Also, that wasn't mentioned in the stat line, but it is something that he can do. Special teams guys find spots on rosters. That's what Trey Edmonds is. When they needed him as a running back, uh, he gave him seventy-three yards in a game. So Trey definitely a guy that's going to be around this league for a while. I, I believe he's on a second team now. He played for the Saints those first two years. Uh, now it's now with Pittsburgh, his brother also on the Steelers. I think he's going to stay around there for a long time. Uh, Josh Woods with the Bears, another special teams guy, played nine games this season, including the last seven. Uh, all of his reps coming on special teams, the safety linebacker hybrid. Another guy that's just sticking around, hard work in special teams plays, gets you spots on rosters. Yeah, it's great to see him uh, in the league. Uh, not some injuries. Uh, Sean Davis only appeared in week two against Tampa. Didn't really do much. Uh, was injured the, basically the entire season. Disappointing. Uh, Darius Kilgo injured on August 10th and never got back onto the field. We'll see. Honestly, we'll see if his career, how much longer it lasts. But he's been in the league for six years now, which I'm just kind of stunned by. Good for Darius. Yeah, guy that was on part of the Terps. I guess best defensive line of the 2010s with um... – at one point, Joe Volano, A.J. Francis, Darius Kilgo on that line, and then he played with Andre Monroe, a guy who many Terp fans remember that never got really his shot at the league. But, yeah, Kilgo was in a rotation with a lot of really good Terp defensive linemen that played in the league, and and he's the one that's lasted the longest now. Hey, you got to remember, Mason, if you end up on IR, you're not getting cut yourself, putting out your, picking up your paycheck. Yeah, you know, it's not always a bad thing. Uh, Byron Cowart, really disappointing season for him. Five games, two tackles, nothing much else. Uh, the fifth-round draft pick. Uh, I'm going to guess he stays around in New England, I, but who knows? Uh, I'm going to be surprised if he bounces, but he was a fifth-round pick, so I might buy him an extra year. And yeah, I mean, last, there's a lot of potential there. We all know that. Well, we do. And last, just because it was probably it for him, Vernon Davis uh, played the first four games of the season, had a great play against the Eagles in the fir- week one for the Redskins but he was taken out with a season and a concussion. And uh, the wide consensus is that he's probably done after this year. Yeah, uh, who knows what's going on with um, the VD and, and where he's going to wrap up. Maybe one last chance with the Super Bowl team. He can definitely contribute. There's no doubt about that. Oh, well, uh, it's, it's just if he a wants mat- to keep playing. Yeah, it's a matter of time if he wants to keep playing or, or where he can land. That's a really a winning team. The Redskins obviously not in position for that yet. But who knows? I mean, even the Redskins, like if Vernon continues to want to be at home, be around, you know, Coach Loxie and this Maryland program a lot like the one that he knew when he was with the Terps. Um, you know, they say defense wins championships, and the Redskins look like they might have a great defense next year, especially up front. So maybe Vernon stays around uh, and just sees what's cooking, and then if he wants to retire come August, uh, that that's an option for him. 
Yeah, uh, Vern, you got to remember Vern also won the Super Bowl with the Broncos back for Super Bowl 50, but you know he's been in the Redskins for four seasons now? Yeah, he's been around for a while. He's been a great contributor uh, with this Jordan Reed debacle at the Redskins' face, but you know who knows what's going to happen with Vern, and hopefully he just doesn't pull a Vontae and quit in the middle of a game on whatever team he's with. Well, I've heard, I've seen a lot. If Vernon decides to retire, he might uh, end up sliding on the Mike Loxley staff. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I've definitely heard it out there a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He's a, he's a very uh, well-put-together person. You know, he's been in the Walter Payton Man of the Year conversation before, I believe, and maybe even won it. I think he might have won it, but he's been on nominated at least a couple of times. You know, he he's a stand-up guy, and, and I definitely see the future in TV for him. Uh, if not, if well. not on the coaching staff at, at the University of Maryland, maybe a guy that slides into that uh, broadcast booth with CJ and Johnny. But um, yeah, I think there's opportunity for Vernon after football, most definitely. All right. So our main feature tonight is, of course, Maryland's um, you can call it interesting game against Rutgers. I'm going to kick off Northwestern. Our Jordan. Northwestern. Sorry, sorry, Northwestern. Totally, my bad on that one. Um, but I'm going to kick off our discussion, and we want to start with the discussion because this was a weird game, um, with a quote from John Rothstein, the New York Times and CBS sports writer, who's kind of become, I'd say, like the president of college basketball Twitter. Yeah, I could go for um, that. He tweeted on January 18th, so three days ago now, quote, Maryland is the most talented team in the Big Ten, but the Terps are still missing something. Whatever, quote again, it is, the team has yet to show. They have all the requisites. Um, that might be the most accurate description in one tweet I can put, give on this team. I mean, yeah, flashback to our podcast, our last one, and, and you could hear me saying that. This team should be the number one team in the country, in my opinion. Given what I've seen this year, given what the Terps have, they should be number one. And apparently I'm not the only one that has that view. Um, and this is a guy that's very well respected in, in this realm of college basketball, and he thinks the same thing. They just lack something. Um. It's hard to put your finger. I mean, I think all Maryland fans really know what it is, but yeah, I can go for that. And we definitely saw whatever was lacking was lacking in the first half tonight. Yeah, the first half was um, just brutal to watch. Um, for everyone, I to put this in perspective, I have watched every Maryland basketball game since I don't even know when, besides like the ones on BTM Plus. Um, I was really concerned turning the game off. It was horrible to watch this Northwestern is a really bad team. They have lost uh, I, I put a tweet out where I listed some of the teams they lost to, but they lost to a D2 school. They lost to, like, Radford. Like, they lost to Merrimack two. in their first year as a um, Division One program, I believe. Yeah, they, they've really struggled. Um, they've won one conference game against Nebraska, who is the worst Power 5 team in the Ken Palm, I believe, right now. So, they're bad. And Maryland was getting killed by them uh at the at the um sorry at 1637 left in the first half maryland was losing 10 to nothing at the 16 minute time out it was 12 to 3 um it was i can't even, it was just pitiful to watch and of all the people to bail them out and get them going a little bit it was the microwave sorrell smith who had back-to-back threes to get the team back into the game uh, Maryland's missing in some zone. Northwestern is killing them with zone. It was just, the vibe was weird. That's all I can really say. Maryland struggled to get anything going in the first half. Um, they were down by as much as 15, and they halftime, what was the score? 40, 
40 to 26. And Mason, you had some reaction at that point. Yeah, I was um, of the uh, subscribers to what in the hell is happening. I mean, Mark Turgeon loses a lot of games. Let's not let's not let's not sugarcoat that one. Maryland loses a lot of games, but they do not lose, regardless of what you want to say, games against teams that are six and eleven on the road. That's not what this team does. They beat those teams. Whatever you want to say about them, they beat these teams. But I I mean, this is a new low if they lost this one. Like it was, it was bad to see. Yeah, you could actually start throwing out the term rock bottom for this. If you are a ranked team with this much talent losing to Northwestern, and I'm just like Northwestern's a horrible program, although they are a pretty bad program, but this Northwestern team has like seven freshmen, and like we said, they're just really not a good team. And to see them just getting trashed like this was a traumatizing experience as a Maryland fan. I even even some of the optimists out there were just saying that this we're not coming back in this one because they had no signs of coming back. They were just horrible. They could not get anything going. Their star players were laying eggs. Jalen Smith had four points. I think Anthony counted like six, maybe. Uh, Daryl Morcel was putting together another real stinker of a game, which didn't improve much, by the way. I don't start getting concerned with him. Um, and the threes, they missed so many threes in the first half, and they shot so many. And Maryland, I think, was over six where they made it three. Um, but in the second half, for the first time, maybe, Maryland came out in the second half with a Mark Cogan Church coach team as a completely different team. Just immediately, uh, commentators pointed out, you could see it right away, they were more intense, they looked locked in, they looked different. It yep. was, I, I don't know what he said, but maybe he finally unlocked something at halftime because that team in the second half was unrecognizable. Yeah, I'll go for that. That That's definitely... Um. Something that could have happened. Uh, this team put up 51 points in the second half, and and regardless of how much talent they have, 51 points in a college basketball game and a half is a lot. Um, but the start just, it cannot happen against half-decent teams. Oh, no, it can't, and it shouldn't. And if we start like that against, I'll say anybody but Nebraska and Northwestern, we're going to lose in the Big Ten. You come out in Bloomington, Indiana, on Sunday like that, I mean, you're going to lose. We saw that against Wisconsin. Like, we played a great second half, but in the end, well, there's a lot. Of, of course, we doomed ourselves in the end of that game, but you can still say, like, well, we should have beaten them by more, and that would have happened if we didn't come out so flat. But the second half of this game was worth praise still. Like you said, we scored 51 points. I mean, and Valen Smith was phenomenal. He says career high in this game of 25 points, 21 of which were in the second half, got 11 rebounds, made big shots down the line, Got to the free throw line nine times, made all of them. Like, this is his third straight game with 18 points and 60 more rebounds. Like, he's putting together a really nice resume this season. Yeah, um, he is. And th that's something that we need to acknowledge. But I don't think he's quite there yet. You know, he he's starting to live up to the five-star potential. Recently, he's been doing better than not. But I, I just don't really like where this team is is at right now. They're not playing to their potential, and I think it's really simple. Like, they're just not doing it. They're not getting it done. And, and it showed in the first half today. And sure, they bounced back in the second half, and it was impressive, but bottom line is bottom line. And, and the bottom line for this team is they're not playing up to their potential. They're not where they should be right now. And I think on Sunday in, in, in Bloomington, it's going to show, and it's going to show on a national stage on CBS. 
Oh, and I think it's a fair point. And I, uh, there's going to be a lot of people out there saying you're being a downer, but I actually agree with you on this one. You can't bury that first half. And I know the second half was great, but you could really say, I actually say, keep saying this because it keeps bearing repeating. This We were not playing a Big Ten team for real. If you want to put them in like the net rankings and Ken Palm, they're like in the Southern, they're like the SOCON. Like they're in that range. That's the teams they're hanging out with now and where they're at in the rankings. And they earn that. Like, they lose to those teams. So, you can say that we had a great second half, and we did. We, again, exploded out of the gate in the second half. Mark Trudeau, for once, really did give a great second half speech or something because this team was ready to go. But if these slow starts are a problem. They are such a problem that you can't talk around it anymore. And if anyone has an issue with this, I mean – at us on Twitter, and we can discuss it, but we're not trying to be downers. This is a real problem. I'm also got to throw out there just real quick because I forgot earlier. Aaron Wiggins uh, was 10 and threes in this game, five for nine from deep, 17 points, had a great game. Um, yeah, got to see that. It. You got to see that one continue. Um, Jordan, you didn't even throw out our Twitter handle. It's at YoungTurf1. Oh, uh, yeah, hit us up. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, Josh Tomaich got in this game, uh, gave us a free throw. Not much else. Ricky Lindo hit a three in a big moment. The bench really did a good job keeping the team afloat when they needed to. I will say that. Um, keeping keeping floats a relative term. They're down by 14 at halftime, but they made sure we weren't down by 25. Um, no Sean Muriel in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that's about, but uh, hopefully Turgeon will address it. Uh, but um, that, that's something that's a cause for concern right there. Yeah, and I'm going to say just because he usually plays in that, like, 8 to 12-minute range in the first half, and the team was getting steamrolled. He may just not want to throw them out there. May have felt like he was going to get eaten alive. But Northwestern had no size. Like, I think he could have contributed, but I'm not, I'm not too bad to ask on that one. No, neither am I. Um, um, one but... more thing, though. I, I got to throw this to you, Mason, before he moved on. Um, Pat Spencer, your guy, had a monster game. I don't know if you you know he knows, but he had like 16 points on nine boards or something. Yeah, I mean, he's a great athlete all-around guy, played played good basketball at Loyola Blakefield, and he's been a contributor for this garbage Northwestern team, but, you know, it's, it's a good story. It is, and uh, they said, we got a big game this weekend. Like, I know Indiana's not what they're supposed to be this season. We're not either, although we're still ranked, so we're doing better than they are. Um but what's your message to this team when they go to Bloomington for the primetime CBS 1 o'clock slot on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's as simple as it's time to prove yourself. It's time to uh, put up or shut up. You want the support of Maryland. You want you want fans behind you. you you got to win games like this. And it's not. It's going to take more than one. And and this is definitely one that you can point to and say we got to win this game. You know, we got to – let's change the narrative. Let's do it. You know, like they acted in, in Orlando. That's, that's the kind of attitude they have to have coming into this game. You're not all that. You're number 17 in the country. You're constantly um, annoying the fan base, I, I would say. And it's time to win some games. You know, you have a lot big opportunity here coming up. Um, got some ranked teams, and Indiana's a big win. You know, whether Indiana's ranked or not, going into Bloomington and winning is something this Mark Turgeon teams haven't done, and it's it's kind of time. Let's let's see what we're made of. We're now in mid-Big Ten play. Um, if, if I'm in that locker room, I'm saying let's go out there and prove ourselves because – you know, no one believes in us. That's my message to this team. No one believes in you, and everybody expects you to lose. Now go out there and prove them wrong, and if you can't, well then, I guess we're just a losing basketball team. You know, I think it's that simple. 
Oh, I think it's kind of fair. Um, the flip side, if you win this game, you won three in a row uh, going into a big home game against Iowa, which is a big game. Iowa's a rival. That's kind of how I see it at this point in the Big Ten. I don't know about you, Mason, but Iowa's a rival in basketball. You know, Jordan, and speaking of that, Maryland could be playing a ranked basketball matchup against Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about this. We can get into it now. The next four games are actually really interesting to me because we have Indiana on the road, Iowa at home, Rutgers, who is ranked in a legitimate maybe the best team in the Big Ten, and Illinois, who out of nowhere this season is That's number 21. That is not true. They are not out of nowhere. They had a garbage start to the year. Uh, I actually predicted them to win the Big Ten. You can go ask Wayne on that one. And it could happen. They they have a good team. They Oh, it really could. They beat Purdue. They blew up Purdue at home. Do you see that? I mean, they have a great coach. Underwood's a great coach, and, and he puts together a very – in my opinion, Gary Williams-esque message, and, and it's got his guys going right now, even after a bad start. This conference is wide open. Maryland can still win it. You know, they're they're a little bit out of the picture right now with Michigan State only being one loss. But, hell, you know, they have two two games against Michigan State. They can go out there and put three losses on them, and you know someone else is going to beat them because this conference is so deep. There's a chance that the Terps can make it happen, but it, it starts on Sunday, and they they got to start proving they can beat some good teams on the road. That's, you know, that's how you point. end up being number 17 in the end of the uh, regular season and a 16 in the NCAA tournament. You don't beat anybody on the road. You know, there's value uh, to every win. Okay, I have a note on what you just said. but So for everybody who knows what's up here, because the Big Ten, as everybody knows, is like, just a mess this year. Maryland currently sits at fourth. There's five and three. Um, they're behind Rutgers, who's five and two. Illinois, six and two. And Michigan State, six and one. Um, some Just some notes. Uh, Ohio State has fallen like a stone they are now uh 12th in the conference michigan is 11th penn state's down to ninth um so the conference has really become upended this season but as we i guess everybody predicted maryland and michigan state are both major contenders to win the conference this year still despite both of them having some issues um i don't you still picking illinois mason they're second right now you know, I, I kind of I'm pressed to ride with the Terps right now, but I think it, uh, Tom Izzo of Michigan State's just when the conference is having a messed up year, the other ones are going to win it. I mean, it's kind of as simple as that. You know that that's that's the beat of the drum in this conference. That that's your standard setter right there, and you almost have to pick them. It's like Duke if the ACC was this messed up, you know they're going to win, well, or they're going to find a way to win the conference tournament if they don't win the regular season. So who knows? The ACC, the ACC is uh throwing a bit of chaos itself this year, but that's a different story. Um, but the last point I want to get to is, this is something that I was personally stunned by, but once I got into the hood and started looking at it, it made kind of sense. But So Maryland has been at like a consensus four seed in bracketology, despite their issues this week. Um, Not surprised. And, well, yeah, it doesn't it makes more sense you start looking at it. Like, they're still ranked really well in the computer polls. And... College basketball is just a mess this season. Like, Duke lost to Clemson. North Carolina is, has a losing record right now. Like, there's just – there's so much parity that even with the season we feel like we've been having, we've only lost four games. They've all been on the road. Like, there's a very good chance we could end up being top five still this season if yeah, we can just and, pull it together a little bit. And I think that's right there. I think the Terps can still win the national championship this season. But who knows? I mean, this team's a mess. The season's a mess. It's just like, who knows what's going to happen. I think that's a good place to leave it for now because there's a lot to play for coming up in the next uh, couple of days here. Yep, uh, we're back after the Indiana game. Um, one more thing i got to ask you, Mason. 
What do you think of the conference championships this weekend then the NFL? Um, n- not the results I want to see. Both teams I was rooting for happened to lose. Um, not, I'm just not excited for it, Jordan. I mean, it, it should be an exciting game, I guess, but there are two teams that uh, I'm kind of in the I don't really care about them, you know, way. Uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs are fun to watch, but as you know, I'm not a huge fan of them. And the Niners, they've just won too much. Like, it's just two teams that I'm just not too happy to see there. What do you mean that I, like, are you talking about their five Super Bowl Niners won too much? Yeah. I mean... But you're like the Patriots. Yeah, but I appreciate their process. All right, I don't necessarily it, I like the Patriots. I appreciate how good they are and how consistent they are with being that good. They set a standard, and their players live up to that standard. On the football field, not off the field, because off the field they've done some bad things. But on the football field, they're a determined team with a purpose and a goal, and everybody plays their role and does their job, and the goal happens. That's just what I like about them. Oh, I can actually see that angle. Um, But I guess we'll leave it there. Any last words today? Yeah, what I just said about the Patriots, I wish our Maryland teams could do that. I think this basketball team, if they can get that across to their guys, will... um, come out on the positive side of things this season, that that really needs to be applied to what they do. Everybody does their job towards a common goal, and that common goal is above anyone's personal uh, appeal. You know, you don't have to be happy, but the team is above all else, and that is what needs to be said to these guys. And uh, really a lot of teams in sports, it, it's a hard thing to get across, and I think that we've seen that with our basketball team and our football team, but... You know, it's setting goals like that and having that unified voice in a locker room that leads to victory. And I think that maybe Maryland found that at halftime today. Maybe somebody got up and said something. I don't really buy it yet, but, you know, one day, maybe. Look, if you can replicate anywhere close to the performance they had in the second half, then we could be in Atlanta at the end of the season. But don't hold out hope. Just hope we win the next game. Indiana's going to be a big one. Three in a row in this conference will be huge. Yeah, and... um. One last thing on what I just said. It, every team in, in the world tries to replicate that message. Few of them get it across for more than one year at a time. But all it takes is one year to win a championship. So, you know, who knows? Whatever. It could happen. No doubt about it. That it, it could. And uh, let's, let's say we'll be back on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. Um, last podcast had some technical difficulties. We apologize for that. But... We're now in the full swing of things, so let's get it going. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors of the podcast, Viner Four Gates in Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is your place to go. You can reach them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan will be back on Sunday afternoon or in the evening, hopefully talking about another Terps win. Until then, check with us on at on Twitter at youngterp1 and as always thanks for living everybody have a good rest of your week and go terps